2: You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Kumo Majesty 9 Solus TA91. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
3: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
2: This is Prime Cuts, the best of the Colin Coward podcast. Another huge week. We have Jimmy Kimmel talking about the biggest influences and which NBA player reminds him of Jerry Seinfeld. The great Dabo Sweeney, Clemson head coach, tells the story of when he thought he was about to get fired at Clemson. It is a must-listen. And how me calling his team a fraud helped him win the natty. Plus, former NFL scout John Middlecoff joins us with his instant reaction to the NFL schedule release. But first, my top takes of the week. People think I don't like Tim Tebow. Urban Meyer has announced the Jags have signed him to a one-year contract. He's a tight end. It's not that I don't like Tebow, but he's selling that he's selfless. And I actually think he's kind of selfish. At some point, the Mets acknowledged Sandy Alderson said, This is a gimmick. Sandy Alderson admitted that running the Mets. And I don't know if this is a gimmick, but if somebody would have called me and offered me a one-year contract for the Jags, knowing I had been out of the league for eight years, knowing the last two teams I was on couldn't figure out how to use me, knowing I was going to try to learn a position in the National Football League, I would have passed. And I can sometimes be, with my career, selfish. I think Tebow can too. It's not all on the Jags and Urban Meyer. Tim Tebow's not dumb. He knows he's potentially taking a job from somebody. Like we knew in Major League Baseball, maybe he'd be a quick September call-up, but nobody really reasonably thought Tebow could make the major leagues. Therefore, he wouldn't take somebody's job. But he will sell tickets in Jacksonville, and it's a franchise that has struggled to fill seats, and Urban Meyer does consider him like a son. If my dad would have run a company and tried to elevate me out of a junior college to a vice president, and I knew deep down I wasn't the most qualified and somebody else was more qualified, but I was my dad's son, I would turn the job down. Because I would ultimately want to earn the position. And ultimately, my loyalty to my father would be, hire the best person, not your kid. Does Tim Tebow really think he'll be a valuable member of the Jags? He's a 6'2", 4'7", 40 tight end? At some point, the responsibility is on Tebow to acknowledge, listen, yes, I'd sell tickets. Yes, Urban would always do me a solid. But I know I'm taking a job from somebody who needs it more and who is better equipped to help the Jags win. Don't sell that you're selfless when you also have a little selfish. Bob Baffert, banned from Churchill Downs. If you don't know Bob Baffert, he's the silver-haired trainer you see at horse races who's somehow more well-groomed than the horses themselves, his horse, Kentucky Derby winner Medina Spirit, tested positive for a steroid, which is used to treat inflammation. Now, Baffert says he was shocked by the result, even though he had recently been suspended by the Arkansas Racing Commission after two of his horses tested, you guessed it, positive. It seems like if there's anything Bob Baffert should be testing positive for, it's amnesia. Now, I'm not going to point fingers here. But there have been only two horses to win the Triple Crown in the last 43 years, American Pharoah and Justify. What do you know, both trained by Bob Baffert. There also was never a trainer who won seven Kentucky Derbies until Bob Baffert did it last week. Shocking coincidence. I don't like to single out people. I'm well aware that Baffert's not the only trainer spiking the horse feed. Trainers have been known to give horses all sorts of weird shit. Chemicals that fatten pigs, Viagra, Cobra venom. I mean, if you're giving a horse Cobra venom, actually, that's that's kind of cool. I'd like to try that. Anyway, point is, Bob Baffert says he's being singled out. No, he singled himself out, just like Lance Armstrong, the Houston Astros, the steroid-era sluggers, and a whole lot of Olympians. All of these suspected and non-suspected cheaters brought the attention on themselves. And they all have one thing in common. Their biggest accomplishment in their sport may be that they chipped away at its integrity. Actually, it's bigger than that. When we can't trust what we see, it undermines everything around us. We become jaded and distrustful. And when that happens, it allows people to take advantage of that mistrust. They start acting like everyone and everything is corrupt. They make you think everyone and everything's a con. The media can't be trusted. The election was stolen. That photograph of me doing drugs with a porn star was photoshopped. My phone was hacked. It's all a conspiracy. We're at the point right now where people's trust in their leaders, their government, and the media seems to be at all-time lows. And there's a reason they've earned it. right. He's been doing late night television for a long time. He actually started in sports radio. Funny guy. We've had a lot of connections through the years, run into each other. We also know a lot of the same people. Let's bring on Jimmy Kimmel. Well, it's funny. Like when I listen to Seinfeld, whose backstory is interesting, I look at him and Jay Leno as joke constructors. It's almost mechanical. It's not ironic. They both love cars. They are great constructors of jokes. And then there's other comedians. Richard Pryor to me was just so damn naturally funny.
5: Right. Right.
2: Right. Like how. Like Tracy Morgan
5: is not um, paying careful attention to the detail (laughs) in his joke, but he's always very funny. Well, I think Seinfeld, though, to say he's to, to pigeonhole him like that isn't. I actually had Seinfeld on the show and I'd been watching a basketball game and I said, you know, he reminds me of Steph Curry the way because he does all the basics so spectacularly well and he's just like loose and he plays when he he does stand up with a flow or this material is all prepared. It is not off the cuff. There's nothing rough about it. And yet it doesn't feel like it's scripted. It doesn't it just feels it just flows. And that's the that's one of the things, especially with your radio show. You know that when there's a flow, that's when it went well. When it's starting and stopping, it's like, you know, you didn't have chemistry or somebody didn't do a good job.
2: Sometimes you have to interview Hollywood people. You're forced to watch a show you wouldn't necessarily love. I've had an, one awkward interview in my career, Jim Harbaugh. It was awful. It
5: was, oh, God, it was awful. Well, good. he seems like such a charming man. I'm shocked by that. <laughs> That's really surprising to me. I Boy, I think he would really shine. But have you ever been on the set and thought, oh, good hell, this is, I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> ever been? It happens every week. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, it's hard, right? A lot. Yeah. It, these are actors, and you may not deeply care about like do you have to fake it
5: yeah well i'm always interested in everyone and it's a funny thing because i talked to the audience during the commercial breaks back when we used to have audiences in our building and i love talking to them and i i am genuinely curious and i don't think you can do this job without i mean i think you are genuinely curious and yeah. I, we're seeing that right now you can't do this job without that so it is up to me to find something interesting to talk to that person about when they're not interested in necessarily answering questions and the worst is when they start mentioning people that no one in the audience knows by their first name or you know somebody who's uh some kind of like uh like ad that is known in Hollywood and not known anywhere else and you're just like hey uh come on now we're we're trying to communicate with the <laughs> viewers at home we were you know let's not exclude them by mentioning people that nobody knows and talking about things that nobody understands let's try to let's try to remember that they're here we're not just having a conversation at dinner
2: you know you talk to the audience
5: during the break Jimmy I don't think everybody does that I love it it's my favorite part of the show I um I'm not sure really because I've never really I mean, I've been on Colbert's show, and I, I don't even I don't think I was even paying attention to whether he spoke to the audience. I used to talk to the audience before the show for a long time. And uh, Don Rickles was on my show one night. It was the first time he was on. And I was out there talking to the audience. I basically warmed them up myself. And afterwards, he's like, let me give you some advice. He said, uh, don't the first time they see you speak should be when the cameras are rolling and on TV. And I was like, oh, that's that's interesting. Maybe I'll give that a try. And he was totally right. It's it, basic show business. You, the first time they see, you know, when you talk to them, you, they then they're pretending when you walk out and they clap, you know, because it's <laughs> the a second time point. they've seen you. So uh, it's the reason why I don't talk to the guests on the show before the show, because I don't want to have a fake I don't want to start the interview on a fake note by going, hey, how you doing? Like, I already know how they're doing. I just saw them 25 minutes ago. So, I, the first time I will see them is when they walk out on the stage.
2: The Colin Coward Podcast, proud to be presented by FanDuel. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free. No deposit required at all. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly. Instantly, when you make your first deposit with their 20% deposit match. Why do you play on FanDuel? First of all, FanDuel Fantasy, easy-to-use app. Take five seconds. Pick a new team every game. Compete for top cash payout. For new users, FanDuel's offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with their 20% deposit match. So just go to fanduel.com slash cowherd. That pays the bills for us. fanduel.com slash cowherd for more info
3: Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-QX80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: Winter's coming here in LA. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Vredestein test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go
4: look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
0: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
4: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like
0: Alex's at meta.com slash impact.
4: Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.
2: So it's very easy. I come in, I do prep, do the show, off at noon, play tennis. It's an easy life. You have corporate heads. Um, The FCC is I mean, I just think your preparation is probably much more intense than the guy at home thinks. They think Jimmy comes in, they got right as it's a couple of quick jokes. The process for you, can it be daunting? Because does it, it take the funny out of the funny?
5: There's no tennis for me, that's for sure. There's no time <laughs> for me to do anything. I, um, I, I'm obsessed with the show. I just think that. I know that you have to keep feeding this monster and you can never come up with enough. You know, you do a show every day and it's going to be as good as you make it. Of course, some of it is just left to chance, but it's going to be as good as you make it, especially when it comes to the monologue. So I really don't stop working on it ever. I'm always thinking about it, always working on it. Even when I'm watching, I'm watching a game or watching a TV show or something, I'm thinking like, oh, I, I'm sure you do this. And I, I know you say you go play tennis or whatever, but I know that it's much more than that because there's no way you could do it this well if you weren't thinking about any of this stuff. You come in with observations and things you want to talk about, and it's just the muscle that you always have to exercise. Most people can just relax and watch TV. And when you do this like we do, you can't You well, unless you want to be bad at it, but you can't do that. Jimmy, you know what I do? <clears throat> I prepare for an hour and a half show,
2: and I do like, I found it early in my career that I was uh, a little paralyzed on notes. So I create an hour and a half, and then I want to force myself to fill in some of the canvas. And I find that nervous energy makes me funnier. Do you go like in that. with a So I kind of feel like, I okay, I got 12 minutes to fill here. I got to figure it out. And I think I tend to be a little funnier When I'm when I'm desperate or do you do you do you ever go into a segment and think, you know, I've watched some old Doc Severance and Johnny Carson bits. The Thanksgiving one's legendary. And I think, shit, was that all scripted or was there just something to nervous energy there? Do you ever have moments where you think, God, this show, it's not great. And in
5: fact, it forces you that the anxiety forces you into a great show. Uh, A couple of things do in the guest segments primarily, because the monologue is, it's written, you know, the monologue is written and there are moments of uh, where I'll chat with Guillermo or if I need to stretch a little bit because time is important, but um, the monologue is mostly predetermined. But in the guest segments, what I try to do is go in with a plan. These are some things we can talk about. And the best case scenario for me is if we don't talk about any of those things. I know I have them to fall back on, but I want it to be natural and I want it To flow and and most of the time it does and that's the difference between me uh, the first five years of the show and and now like the first five years of the show there were definitely some home run moments some Grand Slam moments, maybe even. But there were also a lot of pop flies and there. And so the show is more consistent now. And I, I know what to do. And also just like there's a respect level. And I'm sure you felt this from the athletes, et cetera, that you interview is like when they know who you are, they care more Uh, they answer your questions in maybe a more honest or thoughtful way whereas i had times on my show where i was interviewing a guest and the guest wasn't even listening to me and had turned around to talk to the other guest sitting on the couch and where i felt like like oh this is what it's like at parties where i can't get anyone (laughs) to even listen to me
2: you're one of the good guys in the business um i it's funny i'm a sports guy who wanted to be Johnny Carson but knew I wasn't funny enough. You are a funny guy. Let me guess. You you looked at Bob Costas, but you knew you couldn't do baseball good enough. How did it work for you? Who were your influences?
5: Um, I loved Bob Costas when I was a kid. I still, I still love do. Bob Costas. I did and an I hour
2: think... with him a week, two weeks ago. It was as much fun. Oh, I love Bob.
5: I had dinner with Al Michaels and Bob Costas one night. And it was just the best. I mean, they were they have just stories and stories and stories. And I love baseball and I love hearing that stuff. Uh, Bob also, I remember when I I really uh, became enamored with Bob Costas was when he was on Letterman. Uh, call, doing play-by-play for the elevator races they had, yes. and I was yes. like, that guy's funny, and the other guy was Vince McMahon, so Bob was on one end and Vince McMahon was on the other end, and Letterman <laughs> relentlessly goofed on Vince, and Bob was just so straight, and he didn't he didn't try to get the laughs, they just came to him because he got it, he knew what his role was there, and I think his interviews, I think he's one of the best, when he did that show on NBC, he's one of the best, the, the extent of his knowledge Is dazzling to me.
2: Yeah, he he did an interview with. um, It was like a four-parter with Don Rickles. I've told Bob this; it's the best thing he's ever done. I don't care about the Olympics. I don't care about baseball. I don't care about the NBA Finals. I've told him Richard Lewis is hard to interview. He is. You know what's
5: funny? He mentioned Richard Lewis. I remember Richard Lewis being so hilariously angry because they had to scrap an episode he did with Bob (laughs) because Bob was laughing too much. And he came on and Lewis came on the next interview and said, so I was simply too funny as a comedian. (laughs) That is a nightmare. I mean, really like that is a nightmare. I just did like something with this website and I was goofing on the guy while he was trying to read the intro, and it was funny. And they and they're like, "Okay, let's try that again." And I'm like, "Oh, I thought this was I thought we were supposed to be having fun." <laughs> <laughs> I hate when producers get, are become start. You know, they're supposed to produce, not do the opposite. I hate when they get in the way of what's funny just because it's clunky. It could still be funny if it's clunky.
2: Well, he's a head football coach at Clemson. He is a two-time national champ and a seven-time ACC champ. He played at Alabama, and then he went to Clemson. And it's funny about college sports. John Wooden got a job at UCLA in the late 40s. He didn't win a title until almost the mid-60s. John Wooden would have been fired four times today (laughs) if he was a college basketball coach, and Dabo Sweeney, now joins me and you know dabo what's funny about that is i am i tend to defend coaches all the time and say you know we we we've, we've entered a time dabo when it's ridiculous if you don't show signs of winning by year 2 the ad is already calling jimmy sexton hey give me another who's the next coach i got to hire you look at it today it took you 3 or 4 years to get your recruiting really rolling to to really put in your culture do you think in the world we live in today, if you were in the SEC trying to beat Saban, you'd you'd be able to get to a fourth year today?
6: Uh, you know that's a good question, and you know, I don't know, probably not. Um, you know, fortunately, I mean, for me, I mean, we won the league my third year, and you know, but but even though we won the league, we got destroyed in the bowl game, and it just you know we we had and then we lost our rival, and so we you know the first year we won the division one nine. The second year we won six games and that was, that was, you know, not good. Uh, But then the next year we come back and won 10 games, won the league for the first time in 20 years. So, so that was, uh, that was big because we'd have had back-to-back six games. I'm not sure I'd have got a fourth year (laughs) in Clemson to be honest with you. But uh, so, you know, but that, that second year with the six wins, we lost five games by six points or less, two of them in overtime, one of those to Auburn and Cam Newton and, I'm thankful that I had an AD that believed in me and Terry Don Phillips. And, and in fact, a a true story, the second year we won six games and uh, we lost to South Carolina and it was a bad day. And I remember coming up, did the little press conference and I came out and I was heading back to my office and my, my wife met me outside and she just had this horrible look on her face. And, and she was like, she said, babe, I'm so sorry. And she said, you know, uh, Mr. Phillips is in your office. And I just looked at her and, you know, I said, well, Hey, we did the best we could. I mean, I, I really thought I was about to be fired. Uh, wow! I mean, this is my second season. It's not like I was some sexy hire. Um, uh, and, and so, <laughs> you know, we just won six games. We just lost to South Carolina. It's, it's not good. And so I'm thinking I'm about to be fired. And I knew he was under a lot of pressure. And I walk in my all I come around the corner and I look in the door's kind of cracked and Terry Don's sitting in there on the couch. And I walk in there and it's dark. He didn't have the light on. And I walk in and he just says, Hey, come over here and sit down. And I I'm I'm fully prepared and, and you know to tell him thank you for the opportunity and hey, you know, sorry I let you down. And and it was just a very bad moment. And and, I, you know, I sit down and, and he looked at me and, and he said, and this, this was a turning point for me too, uh, emotionally and just you name it. And he said, he said, Dabo, listen to me. He said, I know this was a tough game. And he said, look, there's going to be a lot of criticism for me and for you. He goes, but here's what I want you to know. And he looked at me that night and he said, I believe in you more right now than when I did when I hired you. And he said, you're going to be a great head football coach. And he said, he goes, I wish want you to know that I got your back. He said, and if it don't work, you can help me pack and I'll come help you pack. He said, <laughs> but I just want you to know I think you are a great coach and you're gonna do you are gonna do a great and, and he got up and left. And and so so my mindset was in one, and I and I, I was just like, wow. And from that point on, like I said, the next year we we we've had 10, 10 plus win seasons in a row, only us in Alabama. And, and, you know, but literally from that meeting forward, you know, just to, to know that, you know, this guy was truly all in and and believed in me uh, with all of his heart. And so I'm thankful because not everybody has a Terry Don Phillips as an AD. And um, I'm thankful that I had a guy like him that that believed in me and saw something in me, gave me a chance to be the interim and, and then uh, a chance to be the head coach. Uh, you know, the guy that called us a fraud, ask Alabama for a fraud, was his name Colin Coward? Ask him, I don't, never met him, don't know him, ask him if, if we're Alabama for a fraud, ask Ohio State if we're a fraud, ask Oklahoma if we're a fraud. The only fraud is that guy, because he, he didn't do his homework. I hope y'all print that. Yeah, you know, I... I I didn't. I did not know who you were, to be honest with you. Uh, I really didn't. In fact, you, 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 that's how I found out who you were. Uh, was somebody Somebody sent me your clip, and I listen. I'm thankful for you. Uh, somebody sent me your clip. I think you called us a fraud or something, and I and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? I didn't know he was, but I had I had a lot of fun with our team, uh, and it was great. It was one of those cool moments, and we were getting ready to play Alabama and. And I and and I I don't know somebody had gotten me this clip and I was like this is perfect save that and uh, I'm like who is this <laughs> and uh, and so you uh, know I don't do social media I don't have all that stuff I don't I don't I've I've never done that stuff so I I didn't really know but but I'm thankful for you because it was great and it's uh, just one of those deals I say hey boys just get me to the press conference just get me there and and we'll have some fun with this so. So to be honest with you, I had forgotten about it, and uh, you know, you just win a national championship. You know, you got a lot going on, and and one of the players reminded me, hey, don't forget about that. I'm like, oh no, that's right, that's right. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> we had we had a little fun uh, uh, at your expense, but anyway, oh, I
2: love it. It's so funny. So so Dabo, I come in and do about two hours of prep every morning. So the game was over. And we were all rooting for you because we were getting tired of Alabama. So you won. I went to bed because I have to get up early. So um, I didn't see the post game. So I come in for my prep, and I sit there. Okay, so the prep starts about 5.50. 7.27, the guy, all the guys look at me, and they go, well, aren't you going to talk about what Dabo said? And I said, well, what, what the hell Dabo say? What, what are you talking about? And they played it, and I went, guys, this is the lead to the show. What are we doing for two hours? And by the way, we loved it. I mean, I went on the air and I'm like, you know what? I own it. I was, I because I, it's funny. I watch, I watched you twice early because I love college football, and you struggled a little bit offensively. And you, I think it was you. You couldn't put away NC State, and I said, the how did these guys get? But it was classic. I saw you early, and I didn't catch you late. And boy, by the time you, you know, that was a team that got much better in the last six weeks of the season. Yep. But, you know, to be honest with you, we we loved it. I had a ball with it. And by the way, I used to work at ESPN, so I can tell you, Dabo, they just hated you saying that on the air. <laughs>
5: <laughs> they hated it.
2: Uh, so I, I want to yeah. go to this. So I saw Trevor Lawrence in San Diego his junior year. So a buddy of mine, Steve Clarkson called. He said, I'm having a camp down here. There's a kid you need to look at. Yeah. So I went down and watched him, and I came back from that camp, and I went on the air, and I said, I just saw the best high school quarterback I have, I think I've ever seen. You you see all the good ones. The first reaction when you saw Trevor Lawrence, what was your first reaction?
6: You know, just, I mean, uh, like a cyborg, man. I mean, just unbelievable. Never really seen anything like it. Uh, you know, I, I what does it look like when you see Steph Curry shoot a basketball? You know, you just go. <laughs> You know, like you just sit there and watch him shoot a basketball all day. Right. And that's kind of how you feel when you watch Trevor. And, you know, the first time I met him was in the ninth grade. He came into the office and, and I, I was like, this this is amazing. And I had not watched any tape on him at that point. I just met him and and he was up here passing through. And, and uh, I told him I was going to watch him his sophomore year. I, I didn't offer him a scholarship. That's that's probably one of the reasons we got him is he had like 50 offers. I said, I don't even I just meet you. I haven't watched you, your tape. I said, but I'm going to watch you this year. I want to see you drive a car. I'd like to, you know, maybe see you go to prom or something. And let's, let's, you're talking about the, you want to be the face of our program. And so I did, I watched him his sophomore year every week. And I mean, oh my goodness. Uh, So we offered him and then he committed as a junior. But uh, I remember, it's funny you say that every year, we usually do a Nike trip with about 20 coaches. And so he had committed his junior year and we're on the Nike trip and we go in February every year, and uh, David Shaw is a good friend of mine. I love David, and David, David and I were sitting there talking, and, and he said, I'm going to tell you. He said, is exactly what he said, and, and we, we had a bunch of good players uh, at the time. He goes, I don't know who your quarterback, he was a junior in high school, had another year of high school. He said, I, I, said, I, I know you've got a couple good guys committed this year, and I know you've got some good guys on the team, but I can tell you who your quarterback's going to be next year. And uh, he said, that kid, you got committed out of Georgia. He said, that's the best quarterback I have ever seen in high school. that I've ever been Wow. and, uh, and, and, you know, that, that always stuck with me. And, and so, so, you know, but you never really know until you start right. like, you know, we've right. had lots of great high school players and then all of a sudden you get them and, you know, every, the transition is different. You know, how, the speed of the game, the, the technical part of the game, the, 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 um, uh, transition from an installation and verbiage and all those things. I mean, you never know, you know, how a guy's going to adjust. And, you know, he, he's just, you know, Deshaun was special in that in that way. I mean, you know, Deshaun just wasn't as big as Trevor, and, but he was unique in that he absorbed it. And you knew right away, like, this kid is different. Uh, and everything that I loved about Deshaun, I didn't know that I would ever coach another guy like Deshaun. And everything I loved about Deshaun, here, this guy shows up, except he's 6'6", and, you know, 215 pounds, and and unbelievable arm talent. And so, but you never really know, where are they going to be mentally? And he shows up here that first spring, and it was just, I mean, like, wow. I mean, you really would watch this kid, and you just knew, like, as soon as he gets through spring, and he kind of gets, gets his feet on the ground and really has the uh, – but the game never seemed fast to him from day one Wow! He like he had been doing it forever, and and uh, you know his first pass at A and M in College Station touchdown to T Higgins, uh, his first pass <laughs> uh, on that stage, and so you know, but he, he's just a he's just a very very gifted player, and you know I I, I he, there's not anything if there's a hundred boxes that you want to write down on a guy that you would want in the ideal quarterback, he checks every box there's not a single box that, that he checks. In fact, he, he has some things that you don't even really need. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just a, a generational type player. And, and I'm super excited about him. I'll tell you, we got a kid that that's going to take his place. That's looks like somebody went to a lab and, you know, birthed between Trevor and Deshaun, you know, <laughs> he's, you know this DJ Uyunglele, he he's a, yep. he's going to be a great one too. And, uh, yep you know, has the same type of physical gifts and aptitude, just, just unique in his own way.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
2: Winter's coming. Here in L.A., that means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. All-weather tires Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Yokohama test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere
4: you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders.
0: VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
4: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories
0: like Alex's at meta.com/slash metaverse impact.
7: Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich. Here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck you buy Toyota Dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer, check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com.
2: Toyota, let's go places. My friend John Middlecoff, John's a Bay Area broadcaster, former NFL scout, very, very well connected. So let's let's cut to the chase here. The, The first thing that jumped out to me, so the Chargers had to rebuild their offensive line I think they're going to be very good, but that unit needs time. O-line is about chemistry, um, playing together. And you have Brandon Staley, John, who is a brand-new coach, implementing a new system. They open up. That O-line opens up at Washington. Then it's Dak at home. Then it's at Kansas City. Uh, and then you your defense faces the Raiders' offense. Then it's the Browns rolling town. Then it's Baltimore. And then it's Belichick off a of bye. And I thought, boy, week one to seven, you got it. You're implementing a new defense against the Cowboys receivers, Kansas City's talent, the Raiders offense, the Browns offense, Lamar Jackson. (laughs) I just, that is a handful for a new O-line and a new head coach. Your thoughts on the Chargers?
1: Yeah, I mean, two things really jump out. Herbert didn't have to play against opponents, right? Their crowd. And last year we saw countless times the good court Aaron Rodgers getting uh, the Saints to jump off on the road, so it wasn't a normal year when you're going on the road to Kansas City, Buffalo, whoever you pick, random team, rookie quarterback. Now listen, his skills, like his physical attributes, are going to translate, right? He's big, he's got a big arm, he was accurate, but like you know, third and seven when there's seventy five thousand people and you can't hear, make it a little more difficult. The other thing on the coach who clearly is a sharp guy. I I think you've had him on your show. Like yeah. he's he's an impressive guy. People in the league think highly of him. He's only been in the league since 16. It's not like, you know, he's a 15-year assistant. So it's it's a massive massive transition to just being one-year coordinator, then you're a head coach and you really only have four or five years in the league to kind of draw on. A couple of those were for Vic Fangio, so you definitely were not the boss. That's it's going to be hard. They do have these demons of like can they finally shake instead of just looking good, winning some games? Like you yeah. said, that, that schedule, that, you can't just like, oh, they Herbert threw four or five touchdowns again, but they lost. Like Eventually, you got to win.
2: So I'm, I'm with you. Washington, that defense is fantastic. Listen, you're going to face Ron Rivera, Mike McCarthy, Andy Reid, John Gruden, John Harbaugh, Bill Belichick. Those guys have been around this league forever. All the
1: tricks. I think right now they would sign up for three and three. Yeah. I mean, off that, that first six games, they, or I guess seven, if they were three and four, four and three, they'd have a fighting chance the rest of the season. If they have one of those, remember two years ago, Freddie Kitchens, the Browns, all the hype, and they just, that schedule just ate them alive and they could never get out. Now, the Chargers should be better than that Cleveland Browns team, but we never know first-time head coaches. You just, you have no clue. you You really don't. So it's...
2: Listen, I like Justin Herbert as much as anybody, but holy moly, that's a that's a tough start. I'll, I'll, let me throw another schedule at you, John. The Patriots. So we know Belichick gives young quarterbacks fits. First two-year quarterbacks, I mean, owns them. Even Josh Allen still he struggles against Belichick.
3: Yeah. We also point.
2: knew no quarterbacks with new systems struggle against Bill. New England schedule. I counted it. Eleven of seventeen games, you either get a young quarterback, like a Tua, or a quarterback with a new system, like... Uh,
1: J- Jameis has never started for the Saints, right? Jameis. I mean, Zach Wilson, the Texans. Yeah, you just,
2: yep. a, lot of, a lot of teams. So 11 of 17 games, either a young quarterback or a quarterback with a new system, and I'm sitting there thinking, this works out for them. They're going to get back to the playoffs. They're a 9.5 over-under team. I told Chad Billman this a couple of weeks ago. He laughed at me. He goes, "Oh no, they're a nine-win team." I'm like, one of the reasons he has had so much success is all these teams in the AFC East keep replacing quarterbacks when they should stick with them longer. Because your first two years in the league, Bill just owns you. He just doesn't lose yeah. to you. Eat you so alive. I, I look at the, you're looking at the New England schedule. My takeaway is they're
1: going to win a lot of ugly games. Yeah, well, I mean, Colin, they went seven and nine last year, and Cam was atrocious. I mean, for the. I'd say 80% of the season he couldn't throw. So they bring him back. Cause clearly I think they value that it's kind of shocking to me. He worked there, right? His work ethic. They just like him in the building. Well, now they have Mac who is dramatically, I think better than Jared Stidham. So if they can just kind of infuse him on top of all the talent that they brought in, they bought all these players, they got aggressive in the draft that I'm with you. I, you know, in 17 game season, I don't think it's inconceivable that they get to 10 plus, of any human being that you've ever covered in sports, is any guy going to be more driven, especially from a coaching standpoint, than Bill Belichick this season after what just happened to him last year? Just how, just kind of lifeless his franchise was, and then factor in Tom, and he gets to play Tom this year, which the Bucks are better than the Patriots. But I think you are going to see a Patriot team that just looks dramatically different than the squad. They, they just have way better players. I mean, they bought six or seven impact guys. They drafted well. They have a functional quarterback, even if he's just a you know Mac. Just has to be a quote unquote game manager. He can do that. And now they have weapons. They have some running backs. They sign a couple wide receivers. They sign the tight ends. And defensively, like you said, like you think Zach Wilson's beating the Patriots this year? Come on, like yeah,
2: yeah, the Texans, the Texans, two wins even right there. even
1: a team like the Browns, who they on paper should be better than the Patriots. Like I, Baker Mayfield's just a lock to beat the Patriots. Like I, I don't know. You know, that's, that's where Belichick has a big advantage. He's arguably the best coach ever.
2: That wraps it up for the week. We're heading into another big week here at The Volume. Make sure to subscribe and follow us at The Volume Sports on Twitter and Instagram. The
4: Volume.